Viren, uh, you know, I feel sometimes that like no discussion on sugar is complete without talking about sugar substitutes, uh, which have become, you know, prominent uh, from consumers' perspective. So can you talk a little bit about uh, sugar substitutes? Yeah. So sugar substitution, essentially, if you were to that, it happens on two uh, different levels. So one is a substitution which ha happens for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whenever the price of sugar uh, becomes too high because of volatility or in markets where the governments, because of the tariff and non-tariff barriers, the sugar prices are, tr are traded at a significant premium to the world market. That's where people have moved to other substitutes. So one of the substitutes, which is classified as nutritive sweetener uh, is high fructose corn syrup. Hmm. So that's fructose manufactured out of corn. Right. Yeah. So, so that is one substitute which happens uh, from, for financial reasons. Right. The other substitution happened, which, which has happened is for non-financial and that's mainly because of consumer preference, mm. right? So uh, there's a need for low calorie or zero calorie sweeteners. Uh, so typically these are substitutes like aspartame um, uh, and a few other high intensity sweeteners, mm. uh, which are known as non-nutritive. Mm. Uh, there is within the nutritive sweetener space, there is a new sweetener called stevia. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a very high intensity sweetener. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are seeing that, you know, a bit of uh, stevia is also coming. Uh, and, and, and it's not mainly, it's not because of financial reasons, but it's mainly because it has 30 to 40% less calories mm. uh, compared to, let's say, a conventional uh, sugar. So these are the yeah. different kind of sweeteners we are seeing uh, uh, in the industry. Good. So moving back to the, 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 the sugar business itself, uh, you know, what are the major factors that influence uh, price in this industry? So looking at any agricultural commodity, uh, the price is a function of two uh, main things. One is there's a fundamental reason for price to drop or increase, and that's coming out of supply and demand. Supply and demand, absolutely. And the other thing which drive, drives the price is a technical reason, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So, and in, in under technical reason, um, you know, so one of the reasons, one of the factors is the oil price mm -hmm. uh, because uh, ethanol mm. is from sugarcane and that's a biofuel. Right. You know? uh, if you look at Brazil, 55% of the sugarcane crop is diverted to ethanol, whereas right. only becomes. And if you look at last year's statistics, 60-65% was diverted to high ethanol and ethanol. only 35%. Yeah, this was not last year, but the year before that, yep. when the oil prices were still trading at about 70 to $80 a barrel. So, so, so yeah, oil price, what it is doing mm. uh, is because that will determine what is the ethanol parity versus the sugar parity. Mm -hmm. uh, and hence, that will also decide whether uh, people will divert sugarcane more into sugar or more into ethanol. So that's right. one factor. Uh, 
Brazilian Riai and its exchange rate versus dollar is another uh, major factor. So, Correct. I mean, uh, you know, 2014, if I look at the Brazilian Riai versus dollar, it was 2.2, hmm. uh, you know, to a dollar. Uh, today it is 5.75, you know, so uh, it has almost uh, doubled or depreciated by, you know, uh, two times. Now, because Brazil is, is 50% of the world trade is coming trade. from Brazil. Uh, so most of their earnings are export earnings, right? right. And hence, uh, and hence what happens to the Brazilian RIAI and whether that exchange rate will still incentivize farmers to keep producing, hmm. uh, you know, because in, in Brazilian RIAI terms, they're in fact maybe getting better returns okay. compared to, you know, six years back. So they're not getting any signals, uh, you know, whether the demand may be tapering off, but these guys are happy producing more and more uh, sugar, you know. So so these are some of the technical factors which we look uh, other than the supply and demand. And supply right. and demand, I've already ex explained you yeah. know, we look at yeah. the major origins, uh, you know, how's the crop looking at like, and you know, what are the yield numbers and hence, mm -hmm. what is the expected sugar production? And on the mm -hmm. demand side, we plug in a certain percentage to then arrive at a global SND for mm -hmm. sugar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in India, we know of there is a fair and remunerative price FRP for sugar cane. Are there similar things in other countries? Uh, yes, they are. I mean, as I'd explained that more than 50% of uh, the sugar sits in countries where there's some degree of government uh, intervention, you know, intervention. Yeah. So in India, it is in terms of, uh, you know, a fair price to the farmers. Uh, in China, it's in terms of they have like 80% import duty and you need an import license without which you cannot really bring in sugar uh, from the world market and hence the price trades at a significant premium. So so the farmers, uh, I mean, the millers are more than happy to pay a much, uh, you know, larger or, you know, larger premium compared to, you know, uh, where, for example, a farmer in Australia or a farmer in in, in Brazil would, would get. Same is the case with Mexico and in fact, the USA and a lot of countries. So there is some kind of uh, uh, intervention and support mm -hmm. uh, uh, from a government level Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to this crop. Right. And, uh, you know, also in terms of, you know, you mentioned that India comes in uh, time to time based on its, uh, you know, how, how big the crop is and uh, comes in and steps in, in into the export market. So I also read that India's export assistance is like about, uh, you know, 140, 41, uh, you know, US dollar per ton or about like, you know, Ten and a half thousand Indian rupees per ton, and it's supposed to cover things from handling and quality upgrading and uh, many steps in between domestic transportation, even all the way to the ocean freight. Do other countries also have such schemes? Uh, not really, Michael. Uh, mm. I mean, in fact, uh, the Indian subsidy has been uh, an issue of discussion at WTO, where Brazil and Australia they were planning to, you know, file a lawsuit against the subsidies, uh, mm. you know, but so, so yeah, but I think, you know, India is one of, India is an aberration, you know, when it comes to production of sugar, because they have wild swings, you know, one year they will be at India, 25, okay. the next year they'll be at 20 and third year they may swing to 31 million, mm. right? And mm. this five to 10 million 
is a significant, if you consider a global trade of let's say 55, 60 million tons, five, mm. six million or a 10 million swing is mm. significant enough, right? So, so yeah, uh, you know, subsidies are, are given where when India produces excess crop mm. and they need to get rid of that crop, they need to sell and then get money because that money, the mills need to pay the farmers and there's, you know, there's a huge area, farm area and, you know, it runs into billions of dollars. So it's important to sell that sugar somewhere, right? You need to find home for that sugar somewhere. Now, if you look at, let's say, 2020 average world market price, mm. uh, London 5 was trading at $350. Mm. Whereas the X mill price in dollar terms in mm. India were about $415, $420, right? So there was already a $55 gap, mm. um, you know? So, yeah. so if you have to now sell the sugar in the world market, you have to sell it at 370. So who mm. is going to take the loss? Mills obviously will not take the loss. Secondly, this is at the mill level, right? So you need to bring out the sugar up to the port, which port, we call yeah. as the fobbing, fobbing charge. Yeah. Yeah. That itself is $45, $50, depending on the location of mills. So if you add up all of exactly. that, it comes to about you know, 100, 110, 120. So depending on where the world market is trading, depending on where the domestic market is and, and obviously the fobbing charges, the government then decides what's what kind of subsidies they will give, which will help the mills or the sugar producers to export uh, sugar out of uh, the country. Right. So, so that 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 leads me to the thing, you know, uh, question. Uh, you know, you talked about what are the things that influence the prices. So, um, you know, given these kinds of things, government stepping in, crop supply, demand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, like other agricultural crops, there would be volatility and uncertainty in 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 your sugar business too. So, are there any uh, additional factors that you want to highlight? And more more importantly, how do you manage those risks in in, in you know uh, volatility yeah. risk uncertainty yeah. risk in in the global yeah. prices of sugar yeah i think uh, it's a, it's a very relevant question uh, uh, uh i mean agricultural commodity is an asset class in itself right it's become an asset class mm. agricultural commodities uh, be it coffee sugar grains or anything right like you have the equities mm. uh, which is a big asset class you have mm. so that's developed now, uh, if you if you look if you take the physical value of all the commodities globally, mm -hmm. depending on you know which year you're evaluating, it comes to about six hundred billion dollars thereabouts. Mm -hmm. If you you know add up all sugar mm -hmm. and coffee and all the commodities, mm -hmm. uh, now and the, and and these are like uh, some of these commodities are traded mm -hmm. on the futures exchange. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you look at the value of trade on the futures exchange. It is close to six trillion dollars, so right. it's ten times the fundamental value, physical right. value. So exactly. it's a classic case of the tail wagging the dog. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when well, that perfect. happens, obviously you can you can expect the volatility. So volatility clearly demand and supply influence what is going to happen. The government interventions and policies also are a driver of volatility. Suddenly, somebody announces a ban of sugar or somebody opens up the market and allows 3 million tons of raw sugar, sugar import. So that'll, that'll definitely, the market will react to that. But then a lot of volatility, short-term volatility is all coming from the technical side where speculative funds, index funds, 
the non-commercial, non-reportable, uh, you know, small little uh, shops, which have started trading accounts, and you know, which have, uh, you know, which are trading different asset class, sugar being one of them. Uh, over the last few years, what has also happened is that a lot of trading has moved to algorithm trading, right? Correct. So there are certain algorithms which are looking for trends, and the moment they see the trend, they start investing, right? So the fundamental reason for a price to go from $300 to $310, hmm. uh, I mean, fundamental reason might be just $10. Hmm. But if you combine all these funds and speculations and algorithm, the price eventually ends up going $70, $80. Hmm. Now, eventually, everybody follows the fundamentals. So the prices do correct, but that creates a lot of volatility in the short term. Correct. So, so these are like- So how do you manage those risks? How do you manage those risks? So, you know, in the commodity business, uh, there's a old saying that commodity markets are very humiliating, right? There's never a, I mean, even if you have 20, 25 years of experience, uh, you will never be able to know that, you know, what the market will do and it can really hit you, uh, you know, when you're expecting the markets to go other side. So I think hedging, uh, you know, whether you're a producer, whether you're a buyer, or a trader, uh, hedging your price risk, outright price risk on these futures markets, like whether it's raw sugar at number five and New York number 11 white. or white sugar. So that is definitely one of the ways where everybody involved, hmm. um, you know, hedges that risk. And hence, a majority of that uh, uh, risk, say 70, 75% of your cost of sugar is your price which trades on, on these futures markets. So if you hedge your price, you've eliminated that percentage of your price component from the volatility. Right, okay, cool. So in the previous segment, you also mentioned, uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm moving on from the price element. Uh, you know, in the previous segment, you mentioned about, you know, uh, you did that in passing, that consumers are now concerned about the, you know, water consumption, water usage by the crops, environmental impact of these crops, social responsibility of the industry in not using child labor and so on. So uh, maybe it's a good time to elaborate uh, some of these points, um, you know, bit, in, in, uh, in the context of uh, sugar industry. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, sustainable farming or growing sugar sustainably or any agriculture commodities sustainably, I think uh, is going to be uh, the main focus going forward. And more and more companies are really looking at this particular space very seriously. Um, you know, so because unless and until something is sustainable, uh, you cannot really survive, you know, okay. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, over the years, we've basically, uh, you know, uh, put everything on mother, uh, mother earth or mother nature, you know, mm. because we know that mother nature doesn't have any back office. It'll mm. send you invoices for carbon dioxide, <laughs> water pollution or whatever. Right. So, yeah. but, but, but slowly and steadily, we are seeing the, the sudden weather disruptions, Al Nina, Al Nino effect, you know, those effects. And, and uh, so people are becoming more aware and, um, that's why there's a lot of focus on on sustainable way of farming. Mm. And I think consumers are really becoming consumers, organizations, communities are becoming more and more aware of that. 
Right. So what does that mean? Mm. So what does that mean? Like just quickly. So basically, you know, what kind of water practices do you have? You know, how efficiently you're using water in whatever you're doing. Uh, so it's not just uh, you know integration and pumping in water. Now people are moving to more precise way of uh, you know irrigation. irrigating drip irrigation and uh, you know sprinkler uh, irrigation sprinklers at the right time in the day at the right amount you know so people are using more and more scientific ways mm. to manage that uh, then one is the human side so you know there's no child labor involved the laborers are paid a fair uh, wage etc etc uh, you know uh, you know there's a, there's a beautiful uh, story which uh, uh Paul Pullman of the Unilever X chairman of Unilever he Correct. put together mm-hmm. and he has explained sustainability he said that you know in college uh, we had a bunch of friends and there was always one person uh you know who used to always uh, not pay and always you know try to you know extract money from other people okay you pay for me this time and, and he never paid right eventually uh you know the friends other friends used to basically shun shun it off shun shun him off Right. There was no part. They used to avoid him, you know. Correct. So organizations and communities are exactly the same, unless and until it's going to be a one-sided way. You're just only taking from communities and not giving back, whether it's fair uh, wages or it's water replenishment or it's good uh, manufacturing practices. Hmm. Eventually, your business itself will not be sustainable. Correct. So, so I think that that consumers are also becoming becoming aware, and that's 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 the way uh, things are going forward. Right. Good. That that's uh, you know um, helps us to understand that better. And uh, you know, um, last year we had COVID nineteen, and uh, you know some people feel that like you know twenty twenty and twenty twenty one are like have fused together. So so you know it's maybe still relevant to ask this question. You know. Uh, it you know it would have impacted the uh, consumption of sugar by the restaurants and related sectors because they all kind of closed down did the consumption in homes offset that fallout uh, you know of you know out of the out of home consumption yes i think to a certain degree it did so uh, but i think covid definitely uh, had a major impact because all your games social events restaurants catering uh, business you know, everything catering yeah. business everything which is uh, you know the main channel for confectionaries for beverages that totally got uh, hammered uh, but your you know people started you know during covid they started ordering online so the online e-commerce business suddenly went through the roof correct you know and and we saw that the consumption of chocolates and confectioneries through ordering uh, was was you know more than uh, the normal self and then the second thing which was happened which was like in short burst was instead of buying for let's say one month mm-hmm. maybe two months people were buying for three months four months five months because they were not sure that you know whether it will be uh, you know so they started stocking up so you know we also saw that the demand for juices and all the other you know food stuff also you know went up uh, there definitely was a little blip when uh, you know economies opened up briefly so you know people didn't really go and buy that but then again when there was a second wave of lockdown again those things went up but on a net basis i think as if you ask the global global numbers 
from the usual demand of sugar uh, i think the world saw a net decrease of around 3 million tons mm-hmm. as an effect of covid mm-hmm. so they've mm-hmm. they've consumed less they've consumed 3 million tons less mm-hmm. during 2020 because mm-hmm. of covid and that's a okay. net impact of the out of home uh, channel and the uh, you know home channel got it got it so you know um, thanks for those uh, stats and inputs so as we come towards the end of the uh, discussion so one of the questions i ask is what's one thing that you believed was true about you know sugar trade when you started out and over the years have learned that it is not so uh, you know i leave it to you which aspect of the trade or related to it whether it's a commodities you know markets technology people whatever it is that that uh, uh, that you want to talk about you know when i started uh, trading sugar and some of the other commodities uh, i was fairly new that time mm. and when i used to look at some of the seasoned traders mm. uh, you know in sugar and some of the other commodities i used to think that you know with 25 years years these guys would know inside out they would really know and you know they would take the right positions they would read the markets the right way and uh, you know they would be really successful Uh, and i think that's something which i found out that that's not <laughs> true you know uh, you have 20 years 25 years experience uh, you know you can never be sure you know which way the market goes so one thing i've learned is that if you really want to be a good trader or a good supply chain manager or a good participant or a player within mm. any commodity space mm. i think you have to be very disciplined Okay. You know, you cannot really fall in love with your views or right. your positions, right? Right. Uh, you have to keep your emotions away, and you have to, you know, trade or or buy or sell a commodity in a very disciplined way, okay. uh, right? And and you. So, what are the couple of di- elements of that discipline apart from keeping the emotion away? What are the couple of elements of that discipline that you will highlight? So, I think we should. I mean, whenever we uh, like as trade. whenever we put positions we used to define our stop loss limit yeah. whether you know depending on stop limit stop loss depending on what side of the trade we were uh, as buyers uh, we don't run after the market uh, you know we don't operate from a bear side that over the market today it is 400 dollars tomorrow it will be 280 you know so you have to if you're buying 100 tons you have to keep hedging 20% you know steadily and then you know hedge another 20% whenever you see the next dip uh, you know and and so on and so forth try and average out the price in the long run i think that is the best strategy if you try and put all your eggs in one basket or put uh, you know all your uh, everything you know and and run after the market then more often than not you get burnt so i think that's the key for um, you know managing commodities be disciplined uh, you know don't get emotional don't fall in love with your views or positions um, you know there's a old saying in the trading commodity your first loss is your best loss so mm. you know so you should you should you should be able to take that call cut your losses and then start afresh and and you know definitely with experience your ability to put the odds in favor have your evaluate the odds will definitely get more finer and finer so you should take that Uh, but at the same time just maintain a a solid discipline around that uh, commodity excellent advice uh, virin for anyone you know uh, starting out in uh, 
in commodity trade or for that matter even international trade and i think uh, uh, with that we will uh, bring this discussion to a to a close uh, i learned a lot and i'm sure our uh, viewers or uh, you know listeners will definitely learn a lot uh, about sugar trade and uh, a very interesting and fascinating commodity as well as uh, great insights from you thank you venkat it was an absolute pleasure and uh, viewers uh, thank you very much for joining uh, today's discussion with avirin uh, uh, please do subscribe and uh, press the bell icon so that you can get the notification please subscribe to move conversations on youtube and with that uh, you would be able to hear many more such interesting conversations we have already covered uh, grains we have covered coffee we've uh, discussed with virat today about sugar and we plan to bring in more and more aspects of uh, you know uh, global trade uh, and uh, global business in in subsequent uh, uh, interviews thank you so much uh, don't forget to sub press the subscribe button on your youtube right now and subscribe to this channel thank you very much thank you for joining us in yet another episode of move conversations hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the move conversations youtube channel and press the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes thank you very much till i see you in the next episode thank you very much have a great day